We, uh, we're in a study of the Gospel of Mark. If you're not familiar with the Bible, um, let me just give you a little bit. The Bible is divided, divided into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. When you start the New Testament, there's four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are called the Gospels. It, they, those four books tell the story of Jesus Christ. Gospel simply means good news, and it wasn't a Bible term. that They used it in reference to the Roman Empire, but Mark says, hey, I've got some good news about somebody else. I've got some good news about Jesus Christ, and he's going to tell us good news about Jesus Christ. So we're spending some time in the good news, the gospel of Mark, to learn about Jesus Christ. And the last time I was with you, um, we talked about the authority of Jesus. And Mark illustrates that early on. In fact, we live in a society that's not real high on respecting authority. We live in a society that we're not real high on authority at times. We have a rebellious nature. And so we sometimes bow up when it comes to authority. And Mark comes along and says, let me give you some good news. Jesus is in charge. Jesus has the right. Jesus has the authority. And he illustrates that different ways. He comes along and he tells some people, hey, I want you to follow me. And they follow him. I mean, what gives him the right to do that? And yet there's some people in this life that you know when they speak, you know some people that when they speak, they speak with authority. And you're like, I need to do what they say. So he had some people follow him. And then he comes along and he teaches with authority. Mark says the good news is he teaches with authority. And then Mark illustrates, he goes, uh, there's a man in the synagogue that has an evil spirit. And Jesus says, look, come out of this guy. And they say, wow, we've never seen anything like this And with such authority. So Mark wants us to know this authority deal. He keeps illustrating. Then he goes um, to Simon and Andrew's house. And Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. And Jesus has authority over that fever. And the fever leaves her. And then they bring more people. They bring all the sick. And they bring all the demon-possessed. And Jesus heals all the sick. And Jesus casts out all the demons. And He has authority over sickness and over demons. And then a passage we didn't even look at, a man with leprosy comes along. And Jesus heals the man of leprosy. Jesus has authority over leprosy. Leprosy does what Jesus tells leprosy to do. We're not going to look at this passage in Mark 2. There's a time where Jesus and his disciples are going through the grain fields. And they take some of the grain. They begin to pick some of the grain. And the Pharisees who followed, they just seem to follow him everywhere. They're just waiting on him to mess up. And so they were a little upset, and they said, Why are you doing what's unlawful? Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man has authority over the... Jesus, why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? Because I have authority over the Sabbath. So Mark wants us to know, in various ways, Jesus is in charge. Jesus has authority. Jesus has the right. And we're going to look at a passage today in Mark 2, if you want to be turning there. It's always awkward to say, or get your phones out, or get your iPads out, whatever Bible method you want to use, we'll have it up on the screen, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, and it's kind of an interesting passage. It's interesting to me because it involves the destruction of property. It's interesting to me because it involves the persistence and tenacity of friends. It's interesting to me because it involves the stubbornness of people especially religious people, especially religious people. And it's interesting to me because it involves sickness and paralysis. Let's look, Mark 2. 
A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, I'll stop right there. Mark chapter 1, Jesus was in Capernaum. And he left Capernaum. If you were to flip back one page, Jesus says, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. I mean, he came to cast out demons. He came to heal people. He came to have authority over leprosy. But Jesus said, look, we need to go to some other places because I came to preach. So he comes back to Capernaum and the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So he's illustrating what he said. He comes back to Capernaum and he's preaching. And the place is packed. I mean, it's way packed. There's no room on the inside. There's no room on the outside. Keep reading. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" Now, you've probably got a heading at the start of Mark chapter 2. Yours may say, Jesus heals a paralytic. I'm thinking, what if you read this story today? I scribbled down some possibilities. Construction workers install skylight in wrong house. Local homeowner's house destroyed. Insurance denies claim. Says it's an act of God. How about this one? Paralyzed man walks. How about this one? Man claims to be God and forgives sins, which is why some people are upset in this story. So we're going through this passage here, and think about it. If you lived back then, wouldn't you pack the house? If you live today and you're sick and you hear the healer has come to town, wouldn't you go? I mean, even if you're not sick, wouldn't you go? If you heard a guy can cast out demons, wouldn't you go watch? I mean, even if it wasn't you, even if you didn't know somebody, wouldn't you go just to, hey, the word's out, the healer's back in town. The guy that casts the demons is back in town. The guy who can heal leprosy is back in town. The guy who can heal your mother-in-law. Just had to say that from Mark 1 because he healed. Maybe you wouldn't take your mother-in-law. I don't know. Um, Wouldn't you? Are you all a little tired today? I'm not going to say anything about football. (laughs) And some men came. Some friends of a friend hear that Jesus is in town. And the friends of the friend are going to do whatever they can to get their friend to Jesus. That was their goal. They took their friend who was sick. They took their friend who was paralyzed. I mean, this guy's entire life, he's paralyzed. His entire life is spent on a mat, on a bed. If he wants to eat, someone has to feed him. If he wants to do anything in life, someone has to take care of that. And if he wants to see Jesus, somebody's got to take him. And some friends, four at least, some friends take him to see Jesus. And for all we know, he might not even want to go. Let me illustrate. My mom's 85 years old. And when my sister has to take her to the doctor, it is an ordeal. If you're a caregiver, you understand what I'm saying. My sister can't just say, hey, mom, be by at nine to pick you up. 
and it happens quickly. She's got to go early. She's got to get mom ready. They slowly move through her assisted living apartment. They slowly move through whatever they need to do. They slowly leave the assisted living. They slowly get in the car, and then they undo all that when they get to the doctor's office. It is easily a half-day ordeal. And then if my sister has to take my mom to Oklahoma City an hour away, it's an all-day deal. And it happens day after day, doctor after doctor, dentist after dentist, eye doctor. My mom would rather stay in her apartment. It's easier just to stay in your comfort zone. It's easier than going through all of the ordeal. It's just easier. It's not that she doesn't want to go to the doctor. It's just easier to stay in her bed, on her chair, on her mat. For all we know, that's what this guy's thinking. You know, listen, just leave me alone. But when his friends say, pick you up at nine, they literally mean, we're going to pick you up at nine. You got to get that one. (laughs) Really? I got nothing on that. Seriously? Reword this one. These guys are thinking, you know what? If we can just get our friend to Jesus... If we can just get our friend to Jesus, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, maybe Jesus can do something. Maybe Jesus can heal him. Maybe Jesus can do something with this paralysis. I mean, he did something with leprosy. He did something with a fever. He did something in casting. Maybe maybe Jesus can do something for our friend. So they load him up, literally. Stay with me. They load him up. You're warming up. And they go. And they go to the home where Jesus is located, and they can see from a distance, this place is packed. I mean, you'd think the crowd would see the paralytic coming. You'd think the crowd would see the four friends carrying this guy, and they would split like the Red Sea, but they don't. You think they'd have sensitivity to this guy who's sick. But for all we know, it was a crowd of a bunch of sick people. A bunch of demon-possessed people. And they all want to see Jesus. And it doesn't deter the friends at all. They see the crowd. They keep right on walking. The next thing you know, they walk right up to the steps, to the roof of the house. And they start digging a hole in the roof. I love the original language. They start unroofing the roof. They're going to dig a hole big enough... To lower a man on a mat. I don't know how, whole, how big that hole has to be. But they're going to dig a hole big enough to lower this guy through. Nothing. Nothing is going to keep these friends from getting their friend to Jesus. Nothing is going to keep these guys from getting their friend to Jesus. And so they make an opening. You know Jesus is in the midst of preaching. Do you know that once they start unroofing the roof... The debris is going to start coming down. You know some dirt's probably falling on Jesus. Dirt's probably falling on the people. Dirt's probably falling on the homeowner. And the next thing you know, we've got a skylight. You know this is a showstopper. You know Jesus has got to stop preaching. You know everybody's looking up as you see four guys looking down. And you know they're going to maneuver their guy. I mean, they're having fun with this. They're going to lower him down. No, no, no. A little to the left. A little to the right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right there, right there, right there. And the next thing you know, this paralyzed guy is just hanging in front of Jesus. What other choice did he have? They tied him up and they lowered him down. What other choice did he have? He's paralyzed. When they say, hey, we're going to pick you up at nine, he's got no choice. 
When they're walking him through the streets, he's got no choice. When they get to the crowd, he's got no choice. When they walk up the steps, he's got no choice. When they start digging the hole, he's got no choice. When they lower him down, he's got no choice. There's no conversation recorded here, but I'm just wondering, did they lower him feet first, face first, horizontal, vertical? Next thing you know, Jesus and this guy are face to face. I just, I want to know what the conversation was. The guy's just hanging there. What's up, Jesus? Sorry to stop your sermon. And I love the scripture. Jesus looks up and sees the faith of the friends. Not the faith of the crowd, not the faith of the teachers of the law, not the faith of anybody in the house, not the faith of anybody outside the house, not even the faith of this guy. Jesus sees the faith. You know he looks up and these guys are just grinning because they've accomplished what they came to do. They wanted to get their friend to Jesus. They'd give each other high fives, but they dropped their friend. Jesus looks up and sees the faith of the friends and says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Now, have you ever gone somewhere and it's not what you expected? You ever gone out to eat and the food wasn't what you expected? Gone to the movie, it's not what you expected. Order something online, it's not what you expected. Even though this guy is paralyzed, you know he knows they're taking him to Jesus to be healed and they lower him down And instead of healing the body, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if he wanted to say to Jesus, yeah, that's not what I expected. I wonder if the smile on the friends stopped and it's like, yeah, that's not what we expected. But Jesus wants him to know. Jesus wants them to know. Jesus wants the crowd to know. Jesus wants the teachers of the law to know. Jesus wants us to know. This guy needs something way more than the healing of his physical body. I mean, think about all the needs we have in the audience today. I don't know why you came today. Maybe you came today because you need your marriage to be healed. You need your finances to be healed. If I were to ask you to fill in the blank, if there's one thing I need in life, it would be something with a relationship, something with health, something with finances, something with education, something with your parents, something with, something with, something with. I'm, I'm doubting. I hate to speak for you. I doubt any of us would say, you know, if there's one thing I need in life, it's forgiveness of sins. But Jesus wants this guy to know, you know what, you, you've got a greater need today than the healing of your body. You've got a greater need today. And so Jesus says, I'm going to forgive your sins. Now, this guy's been a prisoner to his body. He's been a prisoner to life, prisoner to paralysis, prisoner to the bed, prisoner to the body, prisoner to everything. He's got nothing going for him. Doesn't have a body going for him. Doesn't have a job going for him. He's got friends going for him. And these friends bring him to Jesus And Jesus heals his sins. He doesn't get what he expects, but he gets what he needs. Now, I think Jesus wants us to know, in a crowd this size, in any crowd, you know, you can stand before God and be sick. You can stand before God and have leprosy. 
You can stand before God and have cancer. You can stand before God and have wounds and scars and weaknesses. But you can't stand before God without forgiveness of sins. So Jesus said, you know what, you've got a greater need here. The great physician comes along and says, you know what, I I can heal your body. But you need healing on the inside. I need to heal your soul. Whatever you think your greatest need is today, your greatest need is you need... Well, Richie, you, you, don't, know, you don't know where I am in life. I don't have to know where you are in life. You don't, you don't know my marriage, my kids. My, I don't need to know that. Your greatest need in life today, every day, is you need, I need, forgiveness of sins. Now, Jesus comes along and He says, I forgive your sins. And guess what? There's some teachers of law who are sitting there thinking to themselves. Did you catch that? They're thinking to themselves. They're not thinking out loud. It's not safe to think around Jesus. If Jesus is anywhere near, don't think. He hears. They're thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who does this guy think he is? Who gave this guy the authority to forgive sins. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he responds. Hey, I know what you're thinking. And he responds. Don't think around Jesus. All right? He responds. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Which is easier to say? That's a pretty good question. That's a question we need to think about today. Which of those two things is easier for Jesus? Is it easier for Jesus to say, I forgive your sins? You know, I can say your sins are forgiven and you don't know. I can say get up and walk and you'll immediately know. Which is easier for Jesus to say? You know, I I don't know the answer, but I'm thinking it's easier for Jesus to say, get up and walk. But Jesus says to show... Isn't that interesting? Let me keep reading but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The Son of Man has the right. The Son of Man is in charge. The Son of Man can forgive your sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all, in full view of the people who are questioning, in full view of the people who are thinking to themselves, in full view of the religious people, in full view of the people saying, who do you think you are? Well, I'm the healer. I'm the physical healer. I'm the soul healer. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Which is easier? You know, it's harder for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. You know why? He can heal people the rest of his life, and it won't get him in trouble. But to forgive sins, he has to die. And from this point on... They're mad at him. And we're going to see that in Mark. Who do you think you are? God? Yeah, that's exactly who I am. Okay, we'll kill you. Because you're blaspheming. From this point on, to forgive sins, Jesus has to go to the cross. Jesus has to... He can heal people all day long and it won't get him in trouble. To say, I forgive your sins. It's kind of interesting to show the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to heal your paralysis. Doesn't even make sense. To show I have authority to forgive sins, I'm going to say, I forgive your sins. But he's already done that. And they didn't like that. Jesus can heal without dying, but the only way to forgive sins is to die. 
Now, I don't know what ails you today. But you're human just like me, and you've got sickness. You know what I like about this passage is Jesus says to this guy, your sins are forgiven. I mean, he's not afraid to say it. He doesn't say your weaknesses are forgiven, your struggles are forgiven, your, your, your downfall is forgiven. Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to heal your sins because you're a sinner. Don't know if that's what the guy wanted to hear. Don't know if that's what you want to hear today. You're thinking, nah, Richie, I'm in church. I'm not a sinner. I'm here today. The sinners are all out there. The sinners are the people who don't go to church. I don't know what ails you today, but you ail. You've got a sickness. You've got disease. Some of you, you'd like your physical bodies to be different, changed. If Jesus could just heal my fill-in-the-blank sickness, deformity, something I don't like, give me more hair, give me less hair, give me brown hair, give me... If Jesus could just heal my cancer, Jesus could just heal my friend, if Jesus could just heal my relationship, if Jesus could just heal my marriage, my kids, my mom and dad, if Jesus could heal the world, if Jesus could just give peace to the world, if Jesus could just make stuff in Paris not happen, if Jesus could just... You know what? Jesus addresses our greatest need with this guy when he says, you know what you need the most? Whatever you want to fill the blank in, I need to heal your sin problem. And I'm willing to go to the cross and die to heal you. And Mark says, that's good news. That's good news. You're thinking, no, I'd just kind of like to win the lottery. That'd be good news. No, I'd kind of like to not be sick tomorrow. That's good news. And Mark says the good news is that Jesus can heal our sins. Jesus has the authority to forgive our sins. Now, a couple things I want to notice and then we'll wrap up. I want to talk to you about these friends. These friends are committed. These friends, it doesn't phase them that their friend has paralysis. In that day, you walked around people like that. In that day, you just put people like that off in the corner. In that day, you put people outside the city. They weren't phased by the sickness of their friend. They didn't care that he had paralysis. They were committed to get him to Jesus. They were committed to taking the time to get him to Jesus. They were committed to taking risks to get him to Jesus. They were committed to unroofing the roof to get him to Jesus. These guys are committed. They want to get their friend to Jesus. These guys are determined. I mean, they're determined to, it's not my house. I'm going to go ahead and unroof the roof. The crowd didn't bother. The roof didn't bother. Nothing bothered them. They're determined. I'm going to get my friend to Jesus. And so I have to ask, who were you that friend to? We all need to be these kind of friends, so committed, so determined to get people to Jesus that we'll do anything. We'll risk anything. We might even get embarrassed about anything. We'll unroof the roof to get people to Jesus. We'll do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. But maybe the reason we don't do that is because, have to ask the question, do we really believe that Jesus, do we really believe that Jesus makes a difference? I mean, do we really believe Jesus can heal? Do we really believe Jesus can make the difference in our own lives, let alone the lives of our friends? Because if we're not bringing our friends, we're thinking, we're saying, we're admitting, you know, it's, it's really not that big. They're okay. It's not that big a deal. 
You know what? Whether my mom wants to go to the doctor or not, my sisters take her. And she gets a little gruff sometimes, and she doesn't like it, and it wears her out. And that's where she needs to be. And they take her. And they put up with a little bit of fussing and griping. And mom doesn't know what the doctor says sometimes, doesn't remember what the doctor says. But my sisters are going to get my mom to the doctor because that's where she needs to be. I, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of thinking this, is, this describes the church. If we were the kind of friends who were that determined and committed to get people to Jesus, we're going to do whatever it takes. We might even risk a friendship to gain a friendship to get people to Jesus. We might risk people saying something, oh, you're just one of those church people. That's right, and I want to get somebody to Jesus. I mean, this ought to change our conversations. This ought to change our relationships. We ought to be the kind of people who are willing to unroof the roof to get people to Jesus. So when you go to work tomorrow, you just need to be thinking, who do I work with that I need to say something about Jesus? They need Jesus. We need to get them to Jesus. But first, you've got to admit that to yourself. You know, there's a difference between recognizing authority and submitting to authority. You drive down the highway and you see a highway patrol, you recognize that authority. And when that authority gets about a mile away, you no more submit to that authority. You recognize the authority, you just don't submit to the authority. We know we're supposed to recognize, I mean, we recognize the authority of our government. We may not like it, and so, yeah, if I don't want to pay taxes, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to submit to the authority of our government. I don't care what they say. We may recognize the authority of Jesus, but that doesn't mean we submit to it. I told you the illustration. I can't remember. I'm getting older. If I did, I'll tell you again. A dad and a son go to the grocery store, and the son is in the front seat standing up, and dad says, hey, you need to buckle up. I'm not buckling up. Did I tell you this story? Dad, and dad says, you need to buckle up. I'm not buckling up. And so finally, dad says, you need to buckle up. So he sits down, and he buckles up, and he says, I'm buckled up on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> I, I think that's us sometimes. I recognize the authority of Jesus. I might even go through the motions of going to church, going to worship. I might even go through the motions of getting down in some water, but on the inside, I'm still standing up, and I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I'm going to do whatever I want to. I'll show up on Sundays. I'll kind of submit. I wonder if that describes us. Do we really think Jesus makes a difference enough that we're going to recognize His authority and submit to His authority? We're going to sing an invitation song. We do that every week. The invitation song is to trust, recognize, and obey. Submit. The good news is Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. One day you're going to stand before God. Our scripture reading today in Philippians 2. One day every knee is going to bow. Whether you submit now or you submit later, you will submit to the authority of Jesus. One day every knee will bow. You've got the opportunity right now to recognize the authority of Jesus, to submit to the authority of Jesus, to obey what the Word of God says in following Jesus. And listen, church, listen. That's good news. You don't have to live your life the way you want to live your life. You don't have to live your life and mess up the way you mess up. You can follow the authority of Jesus, and guess what? He's got the authority. As you stand before God someday, Jesus can say, He's one of mine. Let Him in. Well, who gives Him the right to do that? He died on the cross. 
He's one of mine. My blood forgives his sins. Your greatest need today, you need forgiveness of sins. And that's good news. Because Jesus has the authority to say, you know what, I'm going to wipe Richie's slate clean. My blood's going to wash his slate clean. All of his mess-ups, weaknesses, struggles, sins that nailed me to the cross, I'm blotting those out. Because he's got the authority to do that. And that is good news. So we're going to sing an invitation song today. Here's how we do it around here. If you've never been here before, we're going to all stand and we all sing the same song. And there's going to be people, lots of people praying for themselves and for each other. Lord, if there's somebody in here that needs to respond to your invitation, it's not our invitation. It's not the Pine Tree Church of Christ invitation. It's the invitation for you to follow Jesus. I'm more interested in you following Jesus than you following this church. I don't want you to follow me. I don't want you to follow Rodney. I don't want you to follow any men. I want you to follow Jesus. That's the good news. He's the one who has the authority. He's the one who has the right. If you've never given your life to Jesus, when we stand and sing that invitation song, we have folks on various occasions who will respond and say, you know what, I want to be baptized right here, right now, today. I can't wait any longer. We've got folks that will want to do it in the afternoon. We've got folks that do it all week long. So that's what our invitation is about. But listen, when we stand and sing that invitation song, I hope today you're not thinking it's for everybody else. Because I want you to be asking yourself, God, do I recognize your authority? Am I submitting to your authority? Am I trusting and obeying in my life? The good news of the gospel is you can stand right with God today, and you need to be right with God today. You don't need to leave here today unless you're right with God today, and you can only do that through Jesus. Will you trust Him today? Will you obey Him today? Will you confess His name today? Will you be baptized so that His blood can wash your sins away today? Will you submit to the authority of Jesus today as we stand and sing?